you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and another week has come and gone in the sports world. You can say it's gone up in smoke. And speaking of smoke, the NBA broke the news today that it will not be testing for marijuana this season. They will only be testing for performance-enhancing drugs based on what was what occurred. In the bubble, we had a lot of a lot of players openly discussing their depression at being in the bubble, and you know, I can understand that. But at the same time, yeah, I don't like it. I, I've never been a drug guy. I never will be a drug guy. And I think this is just a slippery slope. There's that old white guy trope. It's a slippery slope. But you know what? I I can't get off of that. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through. The last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, man. I've never been a drug guy either. And I think the NBA is really opening up themselves up to liability here. Uh, you can definitely have... Um, you know, driving under the influence issues occur because of this. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately you're responsible for your workforce. Um, I know that it's illegal in some parts of the country, but in other parts it's not. And if this was ever to come in front of a judge or jury or grand court, the question is going to be asked at one point you randomly tested for this and then you stopped. Can you tell us why? <laughs> Right, and when you put Adam Silver on the stand, you make him take an oath, what's he going to say? That right. I want to be buddies with the, the players, so I let them skate on this? That's pretty much what the answer would be, right? Because if you think <laughs> back to Bud Selig, I remember when he was on you know, the stand, and they were asking him, you know, performance-enhancing drugs of this kind were illegal in baseball. And it seems like you either knew about it or you didn't want to know about it. Explain, you know? And he was fumbling for words. Kind of embarrassing as the commissioner. No, it it is pretty embarrassing. And, you know, marijuana isn't a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, it does slow your reaction time and it will impact your performance. It, it It might impact your performance for the negative, but I guess it remains to be seen. But it does kind of intersect with a little bit of politics, as I know that Portland has pretty much decriminalized most drugs. 
So <laughs> yeah. it's right. one of those things that are guys going to start running to sign on with the Portland Trailblazers now, or like, what's the deal? Right, and then you know, it all starts with this, right? And does it open it up to okay, we're not going to test for this anymore? Okay, we're not going to test for that. Like, you're going to have to draw the line somewhere. But... Right. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. At the end of the day, I think uh, a lot of people in Houston (laughs) are taking advantage of this new rule because they decided to trade for John Wall (laughs) and uh, with the... Washington Wizards this week. It was a deal that included Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and a first-round pick, protected first-round pick. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I can see what Houston's doing. They're trying to get some draft picks. They're trying to get younger. They're like, all right, we'll try this Boogie Cousins, John Wall thing out. We still got Harden, even though he's probably going to leave. And if you're Washington, you run to the table to sign this, right? It's like, yeah, well, we'll take Russell Westbrook. Yeah, send him over, you know? Yeah. We got shooters here, and we don't even know if John Wall can play. (laughs) He hasn't played in two years. So So, you're telling me that I can trade my one-legged point guard for a two-legged point guard and a draft pick? (laughs) Where do I sign up for this? Sign it. Yeah. I am like if I am the Wizards, I am totally in on this, and I've made my team infinitely better because Russell Westbrook rarely, if ever, gets hurt. And he actually played basketball last year. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it remains to be seen what he can do with Bradley Beal, but that is infinitely more intriguing than John Wall and Bradley Beal because we've seen them play it. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's a fucking catastrophe. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess my question would be is who called who? Did the Wizards call the Rockets or did the Rockets call the Wizards? That That's a wonderful question. I'm I wondering think... if the Rockets called and the Wizards are like, I think I'm being prank called here. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody in Houston pretending like they want to trade me Westbrook. And I, this can't be real. Well, from, from what I've heard that this was on the burner for a little while now, and it's only really come to light recently, but uh, both sides of this definitely were eager to do it. And both, <laughs> both two, both brand new GMs want to put their stamp on the team. And, you know, I get that from a GM standpoint, but at the same time, if I'm Houston, I get the feeling I got fleeced. Like I'm just this is Brody Van Wagenen all over again with the with the Mariners. So I mean, you're you're chasing a name, you know. And yeah, but maybe the mentality there is also like, yeah, listen, we are not going to compete with the Lakers this year. <laughs> We're not. We don't have a chance. So let's dump this salary. Let's dump this player. Let's get. Let's you know get something for it, and you know. We'll try to figure out this Harden thing. Right. I mean, if you're the if you're the Wizards, I guess your mentality is he's gonna drive and kick the ball to shooters, right? Because he Westbrook can't shoot anymore. He shoots thirty no. percent from three. Um, he he doesn't like to be saying he doesn't like people calling him a bad teammate, but 
he's from all I all I can see is he's not that great of a teammate. How many I guys? Think, how many how many it, times does he need to happen? Right. And then if you're Houston, you're like, okay, we got Boogie Cousins, right? And we got John Wall, and they're both probably going to try to prove that they can still play. Um, we could compete for an eight spot or a seven spot and see where it goes from there. And, and maybe, maybe also the mentality is maybe we can talk Boogie and John into talking to James and getting him to stay. Maybe that's the other thing you think about. It's like, listen, I don't know how John Wall is coming back from this injury, but at one point, you know, baseline to baseline, he's probably the fastest point guard in the league. Uh, and he's got height to him. He's not that great of a shooter, but he can pass the basketball and he can deliver the ball. So if you're hardened, you're like, all right, well, I got somebody who can get me the ball, so I don't got to take up the ball anymore. And I got someone who can grab some rebounds down low. So maybe that's the mentality there. But outside of that, this deal doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't really get it. Well, you're alleviating one headache, so I get that if you're the Houston Rockets. Um, you try and put some pieces around J- James Harden to the point where maybe he would decide to stay. Um, yeah. But bringing in the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats is probably not going <laughs> to do it. It's basically so, what you're doing. That was 10 years ago, I, man. Like, yeah. And, and they're both coming off bad injuries, like bad. Like they might not even be able to, to play the – the 50 games that or whatever games that are slated right now. Right. And, right. you know, talking about like games that are slated, you know, we opened up talking about the NBA because the NBA season is two weeks away or three weeks away. Essentially. Uh, they have games opening up on the 22nd, uh, the 24th, I believe. And also Christmas whole slate of games. Is there a particular game that you're looking forward to or that you're excited about? Well, Let's start with opening night. You start off very strong with Golden State at Brooklyn. Yes, Clay Thompson is not there, but the rest of the guys are. The rest of the cast of characters are going to suit up and they're going to play that game. And this is put up or shut up time for Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Yes, it's one game, but the lights are going to be only on them. It's going to be the brightest stage they'll be on unless they make the NBA finals. And that's one game that is intri- extremely intriguing to me. Um, Christmas Day, Golden State and Milwaukee, another one that should be potentially good. Um, if not only for the fact that they'll be whispering sweet nothing, sweet nothings in Giannis's ear. Like uh, they got caught, what, two years ago, I think. And Steph Curry was like, oh, I just want, I just gave him my gamer tag, you know, like, I just we're just gonna play some Xbox or some shit like that. But like from a game standpoint, from a competition standpoint, I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm also looking forward to see to Dallas at the Lakers. You know, you have Luka Doncic going up against LeBron with Anthony Davis. He's back in the fold. He signed that max contract. And you know, I, I want to see what the Lakers have because they really they cleared out the cupboard. And they put a bunch of new guys in. And I want to see how they're going to gel in roughly 10 days' time. You know, I, I definitely want to see how they're going to defend their crown. And um, what about you? What are you, uh, out of the first few slates of games, what are you, uh, what are you excited for? Well, it's pretty crazy because when you think about it, they just had the NBA draft. Like, these rookies 
like just got into camp and just started playing. But uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm really looking forward to the Nets and Golden State for a couple of reasons, right? Durant is coming back for the first time. He's going to be playing against his old team, right? Right. He's going to be playing with Kyrie Irving. First time we're seeing this. We're also going to get to see James Wiseman. We're going to get to see, like, how's Golden State playing without Clay? What's this new What's this new team going to look like, you know? Right. Um, and uh, then my next game that I'm excited about is I'm really excited to see the Suns and the Mavs. Like, mm. Andre Booker uh, and uh, Dantich, CP3. Like, that's going to be a good game. That, that could be a serious playoff game at some point. Um, that's going to be sneaky season. good. So that's going to be, yeah, I think that's going to be sneaky good. I think I like what the NBA is doing, and I think this is going to be their format moving forward. I really, truly believe the days of starting in October or November are over. This is the, this is going to be what they want to do. They're going to start Christmas week, Christmas day, Christmas Eve. Like this is, this is their opportunity to, to get viewers, you know, to get excited. And this is a great marketing. This is a great marketing tactic. I think they've been trying to do this for years, and um, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, I mean, they just need the opportunity, and they really do own that that time because the NHL they take off for the holidays. The NFL sometimes it it runs concurrent with their schedule. Sometimes it doesn't, but you always have a Christmas game for the NBA. So they are becoming that early winter constant and that's great for them in terms of marketing. And you know, that's that puts eyeballs on them. So with any luck, this they're not impacted negatively by such a truncated preseason to where these games that we are looking forward to are just ugly. You know, I remember like back when, when we had the uh, the issue with the players in the NFL and yeah, the games were ugly because you didn't, you had people missing time. They were coming back and you know, they, they treat the preseason like a joke and you know, they, they suffered for it. And you know, it's going to be a, a quick turnaround for the officials too. So it's one of those things that they need to kind of shake the rust off as well. And you know, I'm prepared to kind of let the first 20 games or so slide just because guys need to get their sea legs under them. Guys need to gel with their new teammates, but the game, you know, the superstars of the league will show up. It's the other guys that I'm concerned about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The super, the superstars are definitely going to play. It's, it's going to be a great opportunity for them to take advantage of the end, the end of the NFL season. They're just getting started, and you know they're gonna make they're gonna make good money. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, one of the one of the teams that doesn't seem slated uh, for for at least the opening night uh, is Lamelo Ball, you know, and uh, the Charlotte Hornets. But the question is, which who's who's the best ball brother? Is it Lamelo? Is it Lonzo? Or is it Leangelo, who who's your favorite ball? Well, right now we only have two balls, so <laughs> I think we should probably focus on the two balls that we know about. The other one is, I believe, is he in Australia, or Lithuania? Like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego with this guy? Um, 
So I'm focusing on the two guys that we are going to see right now. Um, I don't know what LaMelo Ball is going to be, especially in Charlotte. I love Lonzo Ball coming off the bench in New Orleans, being that backup point guard, you know, helping, you know, helping out with Zion Williamson. And he drastically improved. So he definitely has the upward trajectory and he's in a great situation. Leangelo Ball, supposedly he has the, the, he's the best of the bunch, but until you get to the NBA and prove it, I am not prepared to be excited by that ball. (laughs) Maybe it's your ball. I don't, I just don't want it. Um, So I'm going to stick with Lonzo because he has the inside track in terms of team and experience. Well, my whole thing is this is like, I'm going to guess it's going to be LaMelo ball. And the reason why I say this is because he doesn't have any college experience. Mm. He was taken with the third overall pick by the Hornets. Um, we see, we, I'm curious to see how that's going to translate into the NBA. Mm. We know what Lonzo is. Okay. We know what Lonzo is like. Lonzo was a good college player, but as far as, a professional he's like he's just like average i mean he's averaging 10 and 6 he's a borderline d league player as a point guard at this point right yeah i mean yeah he's on a good team but let's be real ingram is probably the first option on that team zion's probably the second he's just he's just going to distribute the ball so that's my order <laughs> I think Leangelo is like in the G League right now. He's trying to work his way up through, I think, the Pistons organization. But for me, uh, I'm really looking at. I'm looking forward to seeing Lamelo. I already know what Lonzo is, and you know what? I had high hopes for Lonzo. I thought, I thought he was gonna be the next Jason Kidd. I really did. He really reminded me of Jason. Lonzo really reminded me of Jason Kidd the way he was able to deliver the basketball. Um, he wasn't that great of a shooter, but he was a confident shooter. And he could go to the basket, but that nothing like that has come to the NBA. I mean, if you think about it, he was on the Lakers, and LeBron was like, "Yeah, we need to get this kid out of here. <laughs> this isn't this guy's like he's, he's watching me. He's watching me play it all the time. You know? Yeah. That's for you, Leangelo. Where <laughs> in the world is Carmen San Diego? I agree with you that you know, Lamelo. Uh, Lamelo has the least amount of ceiling because he was playing overseas professionally. Uh, he's been playing there longer, but um, yeah, I, I don't discount the college experience for Lonzo and, you know, he's still young and I think that he has a chance to grow. All these guys have a chance to grow and it really does depend on their situation. Granted, you know, LeBron, I just can't, I can't see him coming into the league and being worse than Lonzo. No, I mean, yeah, most likely because he's going to get a significant amount of playing time in Charlotte. So, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks quicker. He he was a third overall pick. Like he's explosive and he drives to the basket. Maybe he's got, that's maybe, one thing. Maybe he's we're got not. Going. Yeah, well, maybe we're not seeing something. But I mean, if you're if you're if you're their father, you've got to be more excited about the new kid that's in. You already know what the D-League player is. 
Yeah. And you already you know what Lonzo is. Like you can't you can't imagine that all of a sudden overnight Lonzo's gonna be at average in seventeen and eight. Right? Right. Like he's not gonna go up seven points and go up two assists. That's just not gonna happen. If anything, he has a chance to get worse, go down maybe two points, maybe maybe go down two assists, and then what are you doing here? Why are we paying you? We could get anybody. You could go play point guard for that matter. Well, I don't know about that with my two bad knees, but I could definitely uh, give it a shot. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of giving it a shot, the Yankees are giving Gary Sanchez one more shot. He was tendered a contract. Uh, he was arbitration eligible. And there was some controversy about whether or not the Yankees were going to give him that arbitration deal. And... Frankly, I think it was a mistake. I, I see him as a defensive liability. He's not the hitter he once was. And I don't, I mean, for the amount of power that he gives you, he doesn't give you a lot of durability either. He's only maxed out at 120 games. And this is extremely risky for the New York Yankees. Well, okay. I'm going to probably cede most of my time to you on this because you are you know, the catcher and you are the, the pro. But the only thing I would ask you is, you know, as far as his batting going down, are you just basing that off of last year? Like, what are you really basing that off of? Because he's had decent numbers for a catcher, right? Like, I, the only issue I have, like, I don't like Gary Sanchez. I don't think he's that good of a player. I actually don't even think he's that good of a hitter. But, where are the Yankees going to get a guy that bats 230, 220, and hits 20 to 30 bombs? I don't think that exists, right? I don't think there's a better option for them. And we talked about this, you know, earlier in the week when this was happening. And, you know, you mentioned Yadier Molina. It's like, yeah, I mean, Yadier Molina is good, but are you really going to sign a 38-year-old catcher? And what are you really signing him to? To, to make Gary better? Or... You're going to try to replace Gary. Like, that's the only thing is, like, I don't see what other options the Yankees had. And I think we've talked about maybe Boston would jump in there or maybe even Toronto or something. But I, I don't see that. Like, the best-case scenario for Gary would have been if they determined, right, that the DH was going to be universal this year. Because at that point, there are National League teams that would be interested in him, right? Mm, yeah. And I don't, I, I don't think he's a catcher. Maybe you move him to first, but the Yankees really need to consider, right? They need to consider going to get D.D. Gregorius, Gregorius back, right? They need to move Gliber back to second, and they need to re-sign LeMahieu. I don't know if they have done that yet. but Not yet, no. Yeah, they need, that's what they need to do. This guy, I mean, I just – I think they did it because they didn't have any other option because what are we going to do? We're not going to get this kind of production anywhere else. Because two years ago, I'm looking at his numbers now, he was batting, he's batting 232, 34 home runs, 77 RBIs. Year before that, it was terrible. One, he was batting 186. Year before that, though, 278, 33 home runs. So, if anything, he had a bad COVID season, but then that should mean he's, he's, he's due, right? He's due for a good year. He's only 28 years old, but... I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I don't like him defensively. The pitchers don't like throwing to him. 
he can't catch, he cannot block a ball in the dirt. He cannot get a ball over his head. He's constantly getting crossed up, which is crazy because he's the one with the, he's the one putting down the fingers, and he's getting crossed. <laughs> oh shit! Up. I forgot. Oh shit! Oh shit! Like, is it? Oh, one is fastball. Oh, Whoops! That's look at. Whoosh it. But but he but did he cost them any games last year? He didn't cost them any games, but they, he also didn't do much in the way of making. You know, he was a negative .5 WAR. I mean, I'm not a big WAR yeah. guy, so that's no. a net zero. So we're just gonna right. call him a net zero. And as far <laughs> as his statistics go, his yeah, a batting average is an overrated statistic. We know that you know, sabermetrics is definitely going to give you a truer story. He's only getting on base for his career an average of 320. It's his on-base percentage. It's not great. It's okay. His OPS is good, though. His, his, OP, OPS. his OPS is 823. His, his slugging percentage career is 502. The numbers, you know, they paint a little. It's not bad. It's not bad. Come on. It's not bad. It's not bad. And what, is, and what he cost him last year? Did he cost him $5 million last year? I don't even really know. But I'm just trying to say that. They could do worse, and I don't see a better option for them. So in, in that situation, I get why they tendered it. I wouldn't have. No. That's a personal thing, though. It's not. I'm not basing that off of his his uh, his average or what he's you know who he is. Um, it's just me. I think you know, it's it's heads or heads or tails. I think if you had a more financially strapped team. Or a team maybe that had a little bit more depth, they might go in another direction. To me, he's a dime a dozen player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's not the way he came up. When he came up, it was like, oh man, you know, this is this guy, he's gonna redefine the catching position for the New York Yankees. And in the first two seasons, you really couldn't get a fastball by this guy. He was slapping everything hard and he was he was he was on everything, and then they get Stanton, and it's like, okay, we got Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, yeah. But now it's like, all right, we got Judge. <sighs> all right, we could do it, Stanton. Oh, then we got Sanchez. You know, that's 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 the mentality of the other team now. Right? Slider in the dirt, strike three. Slider in the dirt, strike three. Slider in the dirt, strike three. That that's it. They're Ooh, it's a thoroughly undisciplined team. <laughs> that one had some quick. Yes. They're just trying to jack the. It's a. It's three redundant bats. The that's the problem. I think the other thing they need to right. They're very. That's that's another good point. Is they're very right-handed dominant, and you gotta you gotta throw Stanton out in the field. Like he gotta go play the. Why is it that he can play the field for the Marlins, but he can't come play the field for the New York Yankees? Like the and the the least the the less you play him out there, the worse he's gonna get out there. So. Utilize him. You're paying him. You're paying him all this money. Put him out in the outfield. He, Fuck, make him bad groceries. Do something. No, he, he wasn't a terrible right fielder. I mean, he was bored. He's he's borderline, he was borderline he's good. Like, he was decent. He's a baseball player. He's a baseball yeah, player. No, of course. Like, I mean, in Miami, he was a decent fielder. He's not, you know, he's not Ichiro. Like, nobody's Ichiro. Ichiro. But, you know, I can see why they would want to protect their investment, especially, you know, since – the sun field at Yankee stadium is more difficult than playing in a dome in Miami. I will see that, but the only way you get better at it is you stick him in the outfield. I mean, you let Miguel and play the outfield. 
well, what's wrong with this and guy? Newhart. Right. Mr. Trade Bait himself. Like, he played the outfield. Why can't Giancarlo Stanton? So, the worst thing that could have happened for the Yankees was that Giancarlo Stanton decided to stay. Because <laughs> they were. Yes, I'm going to. Opt I'm gonna, in. I'm going I want down. my money. Give me my money. <laughs> Damn. Now. Damn it. I want an unmarked bill. But, you know, uh, it would have behooved the Yankees if he left because you open up the DH, you could put Voight there some days, you put Judge there some days. You put, but that's another thing, right? They should, they, should probably, they should probably trade Luke Voight now. Like, his value has never been and it's never going to get any be better. higher than it is right it's now. It's never going to get any better. Absolutely not. It's not going to get any better. Move him now. Trade him now. There are teams that will take Luke Voigt, and you don't. If you re-sign LeMahieu, you, you do not need Luke Voigt. You don't need him. No, agreed. But at the same time, like I can see where, if, you know, I can see where Luke Voigt's value is, especially as a backup plan if they don't get LeMahieu, because I know Toronto is going hard after him, the Nationals are going hard after him, the Mets are going hard after. I mean. He's got suitors. The Yankees aren't the only game in town for once. So that's the thing that I find very interesting. Um, You know, the Yankees, they're used to being that team that, you know, is the the destination for the high-priced free agents. And now there's competition. Before, it used to be the Yankees are going to use, they're going to get used as a bargaining chip. Now... I'm not even sure that's the case, especially with Steve Cohen and his brand new billions of dollars and that beautiful money. They're setting the tone. So it remains to be seen what actually is going to happen. It's a very intriguing time for Major League Baseball free agency. And speaking of an intriguing time, wow, the (laughs) Ravens, they had a week. They had a heck of a week. Lamar Jackson down with COVID, one of the coaches down with COVID, Ingram. Dobbins, their game got postponed twice. And even then, they only lost to the Steelers by five. RG3 started, Trace McSorley finished. Trace McSorley is now their only quarterback who's good to go. But we're going to talk about the Ravens more in our pick segment. But this is about the Steelers. You had a team that was on the ropes ravaged by COVID and you can only win by five. You can only muster 19 points. Like how vulnerable are the Steelers right now? And who do you have picking them off? If you do. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin called the win a junior varsity win. And it kind of looked like that. I'm not sure if he said that to rile his troops or what, but I mean, they really did almost lose that game. I mean, if Robert Griffin doesn't get hurt, and if they and Robert and if the Ravens manage that clock a little better, they're gonna win that game. I truly believe that. Um, I think we saw how vulnerable Pittsburgh can be. Um, I'm not in love with their offense right now. They're so pass heavy. I'm and you know, I've been saying this a lot, and it's not just because James Conner is my fantasy running back, <laughs> but the you know they are. I I I've tracked this. They are almost eighty percent pass when they are within the ten with within the ten yard line, like going in, like they are eighty percent pass. And I'm not just talking about like I'm under center, I'm dropping back. They are like five wide, empty sets pass. Like, come on, that's a little crazy. Uh, 
I don't I don't like the play selection. I don't like the way Ben looks. Um, I have them. I well, you know, in our pick segment, I have them actually losing this weekend to Washington. Because mm. I tell you right now, Washington's going to get after him. They're going to get after him. No, no Pouncey because he's on COVID now. Okay, and if they don't get knocked off by Washington, wouldn't be surprised if the Bills do it. I think the Bills are capable, but the Colts are definitely capable, especially defensively. So that's where I got Pittsburgh right now. Very concerned with that game. I know their schedule was crazy, and they don't like to make excuses anyway, but that, that should have been a slap down, like, and it wasn't. It was they, the, the Ravens ran the ball. The Ravens did what they wanted to do. And if you remember, uh, the Pittsburgh was lucky enough to get a pick six at one point. So really, the only the offense only really scored. Only you know didn't score that much. That's true. A lot of drop passes. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, uh, Schuster. Everybody dropping the ball. Ben's laying it in there perfectly. Uh, he couldn't throw it any better, and they're dropping it against good teams. That is not gonna work. You play the Kansas City Chiefs, and you drop third down passes. Kansas City's gonna get the ball and score. I don't care how good your defense is. Like, nobody's running with Tyreek Hill. No. So, um, I think they should really be concerned. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they play Cleveland. I think Cleveland's like the last game of the year for them because Cleveland's playing well. I mean, they haven't played good against good teams, but don't let, you know, you're gonna, you could get surprised. The Steelers are very vulnerable. And to be honest, any of these games, with the exception of the Bengals, could be there could be a loss. And the Steelers Bengals could have been in that group as well if Joe Burrow did not get hurt. Um, it's very disconcerting. If you're Mike Tomlin, you definitely need to kind of tighten things up. You're trying to play like the Chiefs. You're trying to play with like a spread Do offense, it. but the, the Chiefs discovered a running game with Edwards Alaire yeah. and to his, a lesser extent, Le'Veon Bell. And yeah. you're not going to, I mean, you are, by playing this way, you are prepping to play from behind. And you set yeah. the tone by yeah. running the goddamn football. <laughs> damn it. God damn it. You know, you run the football to set up the pass. That is the what Pittsburgh Steelers are crying out exactly. Loud. You know, I shouldn't have to tell you this. Like you're the Steelers, but you should know this. But I definitely could. And they got three backs. Yeah. They have three perfectly capable backs. That got the rookie Anthony McFarland looks great when he gets the ball. Yeah. Like he looks great. And then you have Connor, and then you have uh, Jalen Sam. You have guys. Jalen Sam yeah. is another yeah. guy. Yeah, that's the thing. You have talent. Use it. Use it or lose it. And Snell. And Snell. That's right. And you have Benny Snell. Good. You're 40. He's good. You're 40. Good player. So uh, to not establish the run or to not incorporate the run more is definitely going to bite them in the ass at some point. And, yeah, I, unless they change their Exactly. Ways. I could see the Washington, the Washington football team. I almost said it. No, no, no. Nothing's going in the swear jar this week. Uh, the football team could definitely do it. I'm not as bold to say that, but the Bills, the Steelers, and that Browns game, to me, the Browns game really depends on whether or not the Steelers have something to play for. If they have run the table 
and they've clinched the division. They've clinched a playoff spot. I could see them just kind of laying down for that one and, you know, not starting Ben, you know, getting ready for the playoffs. I can definitely see that one being, you know, get them getting picked off if that particular situation occurs. Well, just taking into the Nate, just taking into consideration the nature of the division, they're going to have to play all their games, mm-hmm. right? Because the Browns are eight and three, right? Yeah. And then the Ravens, they may be six and five or six and six, or whatever they are, but they're getting Lamar back. They're going to be trying to get a wild card spot. They're going to play. Everyone in that division is going to play until the very end. But another team that got struck with COVID over the last two weeks was the Denver Broncos. Oh, Denver Broncos. Who who were so careless that they let all their quarterbacks just fraternize with one another without masks on. So they were all deemed ineligible for the game this past weekend. Um, In your opinion, how should the NFL – come down on the Broncos or have they done that already? (laughs) Well, let's go through the whole situation. So Jeff Driscoll introduced COVID into the quarterback room. So if we're going to talk about typhoid Mary, typhoid Mary is Jeff Driscoll. Hey guys, what's going on? (laughs) Hey, nice. It's great to see you. Let's take our masks off. Let's just hang out for a little while. I haven't seen your face since forever. So you're doing their, you know, you're doing your tape study and you let your guard down, you let the protocol slip, and Bortles goes down, and Locke goes down, and Rippin goes down, and Driscoll goes down. They wanted to sign their quality control coach, a former quarterback, Matt Calabrese from Long Island. And I'm not just saying this, that they should have done this because he's a Paisan from Long Island. He had more command of the offense than anybody, maybe even more than some of the guys that were in the room studying film. The league decided against that and also told them that they would not be moving the game, unlike the Ravens game, because this was the fault of their own. This was not an issue where Protocols were followed, and yet COVID still made its way in. No, the the Broncos were lax in their they were lax in their protocols to the point where they had to start Kendall Hinton at quarterback. Who exactly? One and nine, two picks. Congratulations, you're going to be a trivia question someday. And honestly, I think they've probably come down as hard as they're going to come down, and that is you know. This is the warning to the rest of the league. Straighten up and fly right because we're not going to take this shit. Don't fuck with us. <laughs> we're serious. Don't, don't fuck with Goodell. <laughs> don't fuck with the Raj. I'll make you play with 11 players. Don't make me. I'll turn this bus around. Right. <laughs> Your just field just trip. jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge and bank. <laughs> No, I think they I think they got their punishment already. I don't think the NFL needs to do anything else to them. They had a they had to start a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback who went one for nine for thirteen yards and threw two interceptions. I think they got the point. <laughs> I would hope so. Let's put it that way. Cause if you were that thick headed to the point where 
you're still doing this afterwards? I mean, the Raiders got fined at this point, I think over a million dollars for lax COVID protocol adherence. But they don't have all those people, you know, they didn't have to embarrass themselves on True. TV. I so, mean, if you were like CBS or um, Fox, I think CBS had that game, you're not happy. No. Nor should you be. <laughs> But at the, You're not at the same time, like, all right, hitting them in the wallet didn't work. Maybe the public humiliation will. I mean, at that point, if public humiliation doesn't work, I mean, what are you doing at that point? What do you have? This all probably stem. This all stems from their coach too. I don't think he's really like a head coach kind of guy. Yeah. Fangio, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that also stems from him. You, you got to just be smarter about the situation and everything that's going on. And the fact that you had to lean on a practice squad wide receiver to play quarterback, it's a little embarrassing. Like, I, if anything, I actually thought they should have went with Royce Freeman, who was a running back on their team, and he's also an emergency quarterback. I think it would have been better to put him back there because at least he knows the play. Right. Like, I mean, you could now you know how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL because a guy who who can throw he can't just step on the field and play flag football here you know you go left you go right you go up you go down there's so much to it and the play calling and and timing routes and I, I saw some of his passes and it's just I felt bad for him I mean good for him because if let me tell you if they were trying to sign me up from the practice squad I'd be like, you better pay me yeah. or you're gonna pay me I'm not going to just make the minimum for this game. Oh, no, no. No, absolutely not. I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to be a trivia question. I'm going to go out there and embarrass myself. No, no. You're setting me, I'm buying a house with whatever you're going to give me. It's got to be 225, 250. That's it, man. Easy. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we're starting. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely falls on Vic. And I'm going to be on this team for the rest of the season. Yeah. I ain't getting cut. How about that? That's, you know, <laughs> that's a strong bargaining chip there, but. You know, it definitely falls on Vic Fangio because, you know, as as the head coach, you need to have that – you have to have your finger on the pulse of your team. So that that means that you got to have eyes in the room. It's like, put your fucking mask on. What are you doing? <laughs> hey, you, <laughs> your nose. Up, up. But oh, oh, I, hey, I'm oh. not saying it's a fireable offense, but he was already on the chopping block to begin with. So yeah. I mean, it definitely makes things worse. So – Vic Fangio. Fangio doesn't. Yeah, I mean Fangio doesn't have a pulse on his team, but someone who does have a pulse on their team is Pete Carroll, and the NFL decided to reinstate Josh Gordon, uh, and uh, he's going to be playing for the Seattle Seahawks. So, does that bother you at all? Do you think there's any point to Josh Gordon joining the? Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it doesn't bother me just because he's under contract anyway. I mean, he was going to come off eventually. It, it doesn't bother me. It's the last two games. Why bother? You know, that's my thing. Why bother? He's not going to play. He's not going to be playoff ready. He's. I don't know if he's in shape because, you know, I don't think he, he's allowed to practice in the team facility. I don't think he's allowed to train. So whatever he's yeah. doing, whatever he's doing on his own time, you know. Oh, we know what he's doing. On oh, his own well, time. we know his track record of what he does on his own time, and that's the issue. So to, to this, me, yeah, yeah to mean, me, like I don't get it. I, I it, 
I'm not bothered by it, but at the same time, it's kind of pointless. My whole thing is this, you know, I he's bounced around so much, and everywhere he's gone, he's kind of had this issue. I think the I think the reinstatement and him actually playing doesn't have a lot to do with football. If you know what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say, like this guy clearly has a problem, and I think teams are trying, and the league is trying to help him. Yeah, because if he could just clean himself up and walk a straight path for long enough, he can play in the National Football League where there's structure, where there's something that keeps him busy. So I think these are just people giving him chances and trying to help him out because it's the only way they can help him. Yeah. You know? And uh one guy you know and, and at the end of the day if he's if he is able to to get out there and play I mean, you're talking about a pretty formidable receiving core with Lockett, Gordon, and Metcalf. So there's incentive there for Absolutely. him. And to be fair to him, Josh Gordon's demons definitely stem from his mental health issues. And I get that. I'm not trying to be insensitive to him. But you know what the NFL should do is another wide receiver in the past has struggled with mental health issues and that's Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall struggled with bipolar disorder for years before finally, you know, through therapy and through the right medication, finally got his head on straight and he became a productive player. Put Josh Gordon in contact with Brandon Marshall just to have a sounding board, you know, and to to say that I've been there, man, I've been there, brother. And this is what worked for me. Maybe it will work for you. And just maybe knowing that he's not alone and that he's not going to be punished, maybe that's something that would kind of straighten him out a little bit. But I don't know. Two games is just kind of eh. Yeah, I mean, we don't know all the things that they've tried. But, you know, one thing's for certain, for two games, he's going to have a job. But at the end of this year, there's going to be a lot of coaches that do not have a job. So right now, who are the guys that you know for sure are not going to be back next season? What are some bold predictions you got for this? Well, I don't know about bold predictions, but we've already, it's already set the tone. Matt Patricia got canned after Thanksgiving, and we kind of knew that was coming eventually. There's just the way the uninspired <laughs> play of the Detroit Lions. Um Vic Fangio, not a great head coach, not a great, uh, not a great CEO. Brought in Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer stinks as an offensive coordinator. So <laughs> and he sucks as a head coach. So fuck you, Pat. Um, so Fangio's probably going to be out on his ass. Maybe Mike Zimmer from Minnesota if they kind of tank again, because. I, I don't see the owner of the Vikings putting up with this. They were a ready-made team. They were, you know, they were a playoff contender. And this had to be, I mean, this had to be a little bit of an embarrassing year. And the boldest of the bold, if they don't make the playoffs or if they don't make a run in the playoffs, Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, goodbye, adios. And we had this conversation in our production meeting. They're out, and I see Josh McDaniels in. <laughs> Big time. 
I can do this. I can do this. I mean, it's New England. <laughs> like a 2007, like a 2007 Patriots on your. That's on right. Your... Randy Moss will come out of retirement. Shit. Wes Welker. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Everybody. But and, and he's like the biggest fish, I think, depending on what happens the rest of the season. I don't have any bold ones. I have a couple of layups. So my first one is Gase. That's a layup. Whether they go 1-15 or 0-16, he's going to go. I watched their press conferences today, and it's just an embarrassment. It's like Rich Tamini's asking him. He's like, Yo, you know, it looked like you were calling the plays, but I thought Laser is going to be calling the plays from now on. He goes, I wasn't calling the plays. And he goes, but you could, and he's telling him a specific point in the game. He's like, well, I just call the plays on third down. It's like, wait a minute. What do you mean you just call the plays on third down? Well, I call the plays in the red zone too. So you're calling the plays. What are you talking about? I thought this guy was calling the plays. Why are you still calling the plays? Nobody wants you to call the plays, Adam. These are not the droids you're looking for. (laughs) What kind of bullshit Jedi mind trick is that? Oh, my gosh. It was just embarrassing. And then they try to talk to Laser about it. And he's like, you have to talk to the head coach because I'm frustrated. <laughs> like, that's what it looked like he wanted to yeah. say. He said, no, you have to talk to the head coach. You know, I, you know I'm not going to answer that question. And it was more like, yeah, I don't know what's going on here either. <laughs> I thought I was calling the plays too. <laughs> I, I, I did once. Um, I did once. And we, we got a first down. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Doug Marone's gone. Uh, especially, well, I think Doug Marone and Romeo Cornell will be gone because they're going to have new GMs. Um, so the new GM is probably going to want to pick his coach, which is understandable. Yeah, of course. And then, and then Nagy's definitely gone. They brought this guy in to win with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I, I think that was part of his like interview. It was like, hey, we have Mitch Trubisky. Do you think you can win games with Mitch Trubisky? Well, when I was in Kansas City, we wanted to draft Mitch Trubisky, but we had to draft Pat Mahomes instead. Oh, so you can win with Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, I can win with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I can't win with this guy. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't get first downs. I I, I got to rely on a defense score. No, this this dude is out. So the, those are the guys. I don't have any bold ones. We talked about Bruce Arians. I mean, there's a chance, but a part of me thinks that you know they're gonna want to go a full off season where they're actually able to install a, an offense and collaborate and talk with one another. Maybe Byron left, which leaves. Maybe that's what happens. But I think they're going to try to give it another year, um, especially if they're able to make the playoffs. Um, but, um, yeah, it, yeah, it, it definitely remains to be seen. We need to we need to figure out. I mean, the owner has definitely gone all in. He's definitely winning now. Um, one of the interesting things that came out today is that Michigan legislatures are trying to pressure the owner of the Lions to hire Robert Sala away from the San Francisco 49ers. For those of you guys not totally up on 49er org chart, he is the defensive coordinator and very well respected, great player, a great coach. His players love him. I don't know. I feel very weird having politicians try and tell the owner of a football team who they would like as a coach. Yeah, I get he's from Michigan. I get he played college ball at Michigan. But, you know, I'm the owner of the team. Don't tell me what to do. Save that booster shit for college. Yeah, um, I kind of agree with you on that too. Um, but also, you know, they're probably looking at it from an economic standpoint. They'd like to see the team win. They'd like to see, uh, you know, more money coming to the area. Um, I think they're seeing that with Cleveland. 
Like they're seeing how the difference of uh, Baker Mayfield and a decent coach, the difference it can make in that town. So they're probably just trying to do something of that nature. You know, time's running out on Matthew Stafford, um, who, who, you know, you would think was this terrible player, but he's actually a very good quarterback. And, you know, you're running out of time. So uh, I don't have a, I, I do have a problem with it. Eh, I guess I do. It should leave it to the owner to decide and let him run his team. But I can see where the politicians are coming from. Yeah. Especially if they feel like the owner owes them something. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't know the funding situation, how much money they put up in order to get right. Ford Field. So I get it. Like that we're, thing, right? You yeah. Know? So it's just like, yeah, we kind of owe you one. But it's not like it's not like Green Bay. You know, Green Bay, which owns the team, the city owns the team. So, like, I get where you would want to have a little bit of say in that. But, yeah, it just smells to me. And, yeah, I keep keep your keep the politics out of my sports, please. Please. Mm. With, with sugar on top. Order up. All right, guys. So we are going to pick our order for the best NFL duo. Now, that's purposely vague. So, you know, we can kind of pick anybody offense, defense. Like, we can definitely coaches. coaches. Yeah. I mean, it definitely. It's definitely open to interpretation. You can't use Fangio and Shermer, though. Just so you know. Fuck you, Pat. <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> I, I I know where he works. I know you work. <laughs> right. That's actually, I know where You're you work. You're right off my train line. I know where you work. All right. So oh, top five. Who are your top five best NFL duos? All right. So starting with five, I've got a good one. I actually have. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Ooh. because right now they're number one in the league in rushing at 161 yards per game. That is pretty stellar for that duo in Cleveland when they have to play games against teams like the Steelers and teams like the Ravens. My number four is new to the scene. It's Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. Justin Herbert may just win rookie of the year this year. And he was rookie of the month last month. In one game, they combined on 16 catches for 145 yards. That is a lot. And that's catches. There are probably at least four or five more targets there. Um, number three, uh, really just not a, not a hard one here. It's Pat Mahomes and Tariq Hill, who in one quarter last week had 200 yards together Ooh, with three touchdowns. That was a slaughter. Game, game was over. And my fantasy week was over because I was playing against Tariq Hill. (laughs) Number two for me is uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And the reason is, is because Russell can compensate for bad coaching, bad defense, and offensive miscues. They're like the perfect match because Russell is that kind of player that Pete can go to him and he can get him to do whatever he needs him to do. And he can be that guy. Um, so I really think that they're the second best duo in the NFL right now. And the number one duo, this will probably surprise you looking at the numbers. It's 
Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Reminds me of Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. They just give each other a look or they're in sync with one another. He's just so gifted at being able to track the long ball while it's in the air and make effortless catches. And he's just always ready. He's, you know, Devontae Adams is always ready for the ball. And uh, Rodgers is always able to deliver it to him. So that's my five for order up. It's very funny that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are your number one. They're my number five. Just from oh, the okay. yeah, they have amazing chemistry together, and Rodgers yeah. always knows where he is on the field. He can always count on Adams catching the ball, and that's definitely you know that's what you want in your number one stud receiver. I know where you are. I can get the ball to you, and I can trust you. And at this point, he's the safety net. Number four for me, just based on recent performance and, you know, again, chemistry, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Like that is a combination that's going to haunt the league for years to come. And it's definitely something that you can take him out of the game. You can take Russell Wilson out of the game, but DK Metcalf still going to get hit. Like it's kind of crazy. Russell Wilson even those games where he was terrible and he's throwing picks all over the field, Metcalf was still getting his targets, still getting his catches, still getting his yards. So production-wise, that's still pretty stellar. Number three, based on this year, just because he's a rookie and it's impressive to me that he has such great chemistry, Ben Roethlisberger and Chase Claypool. You, know, mm-hmm. you, have, yeah. you have Juju on that team. Juju has gone really downhill in the past few years. Like when Antonio Brown was there, Juju went off and it slowly but surely declined. But Claypool this year has certainly picked up that slack and it's been amazing what he's been able to do. Number two, Derek Henry and the Titans offensive line. He's trucking guys. The whole you can drive. Speaking of trucks, you can drive a truck through the holes that they are providing him, and he might run this thing to an MVP. But it he's having that good of a year. And number one, it's close. I, I wish it was more than duo because you really could put any of these guys in there. It's Pat Mahomes and take your pick: Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, or Travis Kelsey. But I'm going to go with Andy Reid. They seem to be so in sync, so simpatico, that they know exactly what the other one wants to do. Again, to your the chemistry point, like Andy Reid has coached Patrick Mahomes to the point where they can almost finish each other's sentences. And to have that extension of the coaching staff on the field is invaluable. So... There we go, guys. Our top five ordered up for you. Agree? Disagree? Want to share your top five? Hit us up. DM us at Fade Route Podcast or email us at FadeRouteMail at gmail.com.
Time to see what's cooking this weekend, sponsored by As You Eat It, only on YouTube. That's A-Z, you eat it. Check it out today. All right, brother, it is time for our picks. How'd you do last week? I crushed it last week. Crushed it. I won 11 games. Yes. So whoever followed me, you're welcome. (laughs) A humble brag, if ever there was one. I also brought in 11 games. So we are on – remember we were talking about fingers on the pulse? We got our fingers on the pulse of this league right now. So definitely consult us before making any wagers. <laughs> First up, Browns at Titans. Who you got? Man, that's going to be a good game. Um I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams in that situation. And I'm going to have to go with Derrick Henry and the Titans. I agree. It's not going to be the bloodletting that I usually predict with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are slowly but surely impressing me. I'm not saying they're winning me over. I'm saying they're impressing me, Cleveland. There is a difference. But... There's an indomitable force on the other side of that football, and his name is Derrick Henry. He will not be denied. He will not be stopped. No, he will not. It's like Little Giants when you had those six, six guys, six guys jump on his back. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> um, in a surprise this week, this will be the second time this year I'm doing this. I am taking COVID over the Raiders. I'm taking the Jets to beat Vegas. Oof. You're a brave man. You're a very brave soul. I just can't do it. I can't join you on that ledge. I'm going to take the Raiders, and I think Josh Jacobs is going to have too good of a game for the... the... No, he's out. No. He's out. Oh, he's out. Oh, no. That... I still can't take the... I still can't take the Jets, even without Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Darren Waller. You have Ruggs. You got Carr. Yeah, I think it's still too much. Okay. I have the Vikings beating the Jaguars. Yeah, I can definitely concur with that. The Jaguars are going nowhere fast. Doug Marone's probably going to get fired at some point. The Khan family is none too pleased with the results. And Dalvin Cook had a down week last week. I don't think surprisingly, surprisingly yeah. down week. I think he's going to have a major bounce back. Yeah, I am taking the Dolphins over the Bengals. It's not even close. The Dolphins yeah. are much better than the Bengals. It would have been closer if Joe Burrow was that it was was there, but Joe Burrow is not there. So, JB, yeah, say what you want. I'm taking. Yeah, I'm taking the Colts over Houston. I was a little bit in a toss-up with this one, but ultimately I think without Fuller, Indy will be get you know, play better defense this week and they'll they'll take them we out. We didn't even talk about that. How stupid Will Fuller <laughs> is. You're having the best season of your career. And now we know Clearly why. we know why. <laughs> oh, that being said. I can't take the Texans in good conscience. I, like you, was coin flipping this one, but the Colts need this game. The Colts got to win. Uh, surprise? I don't know if it's a surprise, but I'm actually going to take the Lions to beat the Bears. Matt Nagy sucks as a head coach. Trubisky sucks as a quarterback. 
I don't know what to expect from Daryl Bevel as a head coach now that Patricia's out on his ass, but I too am taking the Lions. It can only go up. Only go up. Um, I'm actually taking another ep- upset. I've got the Falcons beating the New Orleans Saints. You love you some Raheem Morris. Raheem! <laughs> yeah. He's going to try to win the head coaching job this week. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed by Raheem Morris. I think he's going to get – I mean, I think he's going to take the interim tag off of that. They're going to – they're definitely going to make him the head coach just based on the performance of the team had and where they started with Dan Quinn. But I'm taking the Saints. I, it's going to be closer than people think, but I'm just going to run with the Saints on this. Okay, uh, no Daniel Jones this week, so I'm taking Seattle over the Giants. The Seahawks are the better team. As a Giants fan, as a realistic Giants fan, got no shot. We had no shot with Jones. Now you're putting McCoy in the mix. You have even less of a shot. Who's a good quarterback? He's decent. He's a, He's a decent backup. He's what you want, good you know. Player. But good player. Good he, he can play. play but play. that Seahawks defense has actually run its rounding into form. Jamal Adams. You have Snacks Harrison. You traded for Dunlap. They got some players on that side of the ball, and it's slowly but surely rounding into form. I don't see the Giants. I don't see them having a good day. Good game. Uh, Rams against Arizona. I'm taking the Rams. This has a lot of ramifications here. Um, This could drop. This could really hurt Arizona's chances of making the playoffs. It absolutely could, which is why I'm taking the Cardinals in this game. I think they show up. And they put together a a solid performance. The Rams' effort is sometimes inconsistent with them, despite their record. You know, I see some holes there. And the Cardinals might be able to exploit them. I think Kyler Murray, you know, is going to have a good game. I believe the shoulder is better. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins against Jalen Ramsey is going to be a very intriguing matchup. I got the Patriots over the Chargers. This is tough. You know, this is very tough. The Chargers have proven that they are talented on the offensive side of the ball. The Patriots, they're they're lying in the weeds. I just Anthony Lynn scares me as a head coach. Like he finds ways to lose games that they should win. So that's why I'm taking the Patriots. Uh, really easy one. I'm taking the Packers over the Eagles. Question. Jalen Hurts, how many snaps does he get? Two, that, maybe three. That's it? You think so? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think he's going to have more. I think he's going to be involved more in the offense. That being said, the Packers are a steamroll. <laughs> I have another upset for you. I think the Denver Broncos are upset and they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. That's very bold. You're a very brave man. The Broncos suck. I'm sorry. They are just <laughs> they are just terrible. And the Chiefs, you know, they could they could overlook this game, but they're not gonna. I got the Chiefs. Divisional games are tough. Divisional games are tough. Games are but, tough. you know, the Chiefs are a juggernaut right now. Okay. Um, I'm taking another one, another upset. We talked about it earlier. I got the Redskins beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of two Monday night games this oh, week. Oh, sorry, the Washington football team. Ah, put it in the swear jar. You a got dollar it. in the swear jar. 
I'm going to take the Steelers. It's going to be close. I think the Steelers win by a field goal as time expires. Alex Smith, as up and down as he's been, he's been rounding into form. Antonio Gibson is a good running back. Terry McLaurin, a very good wide receiver. Chase Young is going to make Ben move. But when it all boils down to it, Steelers win by three. 49ers are playing Buffalo. Uh, 49ers are not allowed to play in their stadium, so this game is being played in Arizona. I am going to take the disgruntled 49ers. This is a tricky game. The 49ers are playing a lot better than we're letting on. I just think the Bills are finally due to show us who they are, and they're going to take home this division. Josh Allen's going to have a heck of a game, and I got the Bills. And the last one, I am taking Baltimore over Dallas, regardless of McSwirly or Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. I think they get the job done. If Trace McSorley plays, and he's the only one available right now, I cannot see the Dallas Cowboys losing this game. I'm going to take that's a bit of an upset. I got Andy Dalton, the the wily experience of Andy Dalton. The Red Rifle is going to fire a shot into the playoff hopes of the Ravens. All right. that That takes care of our pick segment. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast Friday nights on the Anchor and other podcast outlets. Uh, Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Thanks Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.